Hello and welcome to the Swim Brief. I am Chris DeSantis. I am joined by a slightly bewildered looking Eric Wyken. We are trying out a new podcasting platform today. So once again, uh, even though nobody after my request last week gave any feedback whatsoever on our video, probably because it was no different than it had been for a long time. But anyway, if you're listening to this, please give some feedback um, on the video and audio quality. Um, I really appreciate that. I am trying to find a better platform for doing that. Right off the top, a couple things I want to say. Um, you can go ahead and follow Chris D underscore coach on Instagram. That's my new Instagram feed that's featuring um, mainly positive psychology based content. And um, some of what we're going to discuss on this podcast is probably also going to find its way over there and probably some clips from this as well to, you know, entice a few extra people into listening to this whole thing um, to have people come over here. also want to say this podcast brought to you by Jersey Wahoos, who provided the um, mics and headsets or headset for me, I should say. Um, no mics for the guys, but um, also gives me time during working hours to record this. Um, we are a silver medal crossing our fingers, hoping to maybe be better than silver medal USA swimming club here um, as they announce those club excellence results within the next month. Eric, you're here. Are, are, are you sorted? Are you comfortable with what's going on in your... Yeah, I just getting used to it. I turned my camera off and on and you came back. So for the first two minutes, okay. you were just the letter C. <laughs> okay. Well, hopefully I have seen you consistently the entire okay. time. So hopefully that is what um, is being recorded. Joel uh, Rawlings will be joining us, we believe, at some point. He has point. found his headphones. Um, yeah, and I'm hoping that he makes, you know, an introduction where he just sort of comes in and, like, just starts talking in the middle of one of the, the rest of us talking for maximum awkwardness here. Um, so today's topic, something that we've been bouncing back and forth, and um, it came to me from a former client of Chris DeSantis Coaching, and that is... Well, we've, we've decided to call this topic fireproofing. And no, we're not talking about uh, uh, the type of fire that could literally burn your house down. What are we talking about, Eric? We're talking about improving oneself to the point where it would be nearly impossible to lose one's job provided you continue yeah. to be a, a good human being. <laughs> well, so basically I got this recommendation, as I said, from a former client who, you know, I, I, I reach out for feedback all the time. Um, you know, I always do debriefs with people. Uh, I always, you know, want that kind of feedback on how things went if I, if I work with a team or a coach. And this, in case, this case was actually a full year and a half after I was done, you know, I reached in, reached out and said like, Hey, do you have any, do you have any ideas essentially 
for me. And this this client, I, I haven't asked them if it's okay to share, so I'm, I'm keeping them anonymous. But they're essentially like, I think you should offer a course in how to not get fired from your swim coaching job. And the concept was, you know, that there are all sorts of um, coaches that are losing their job. They're losing their livelihood because, um, it, I guess my my description of it is because over a period of time, they respond poorly in a series of situations and the accumulation of that ultimately leads enough athletes on their team to complain about them or enough sort of negative feedback to reach whoever's responsible for keeping them employed where they decide like, look, it's just not worth it to keep this person around anymore. And so I, 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 had, I was totally stunned when I got this information. I was like, could I really do that? And I've been spending, I guess, probably an entire year noodling on it and uh, just now starting to formulate some stuff to address, <laughs> address this particular concern. Because, and, and, and here's where I was starting with it. And I, I texted this out to you guys yesterday and this sort of like and in usual fashion i've only decided the starting point of this conversation what follows we'll we'll see we'll just we'll let it we'll let it flow organically but i, I was thinking about you know i was thinking specifically about this concept right and i think that if you're a coach right now, I mean, I know, like I'm a coach, there are, there are moments where I feel very put upon by the, like, but from all sides, really, that the expectations for me as a coach have never been higher, that it's never, I've never had more sort of external pressures to sort of like, you got to be this and also this and also this. And, you know, um, like I, I, I had this thought as I was taking the USA swimming um, or the Red Cross safety training for swim coaches. And they just gave you scenario after scenario where the basic gist of it was if somebody does something unsafe, it's always your fault, especially if you didn't specifically warn them that, you know, um, touching an electric fence, this is an example that's not in there, you know, it would electrocute them. Like things like that, there, there's a lot um, of pieces on there. And this is one of them where I think coaches are getting a message and I, I, I talk to a lot of them that it's like, I'm being asked to communicate more positively or I'm being able to communicate more empathetically with the people that I'm coaching and because coaches are such in such a stressed state that they're you know that they're being they're being pressured uh, to do so many things and be so many things to so many people that in most of those situations they go like enough already now this particular one though I, I think that a lot of other things that coaches are feeling pressure to be today are completely unfair. This one, however, I think is actually fair. It's actually fair 
to expect coaches to really change the way we are communicating and interacting with people that we coach because I know I can find so many people in my life describing their own experience coming up through sports and we put up with a lot of stuff um, sport wise that was just not right and the way that uh, and that's probably been a theme of this podcast um, throughout that that you know, there's a lot of sort of vestigial bad stuff around. And I think a lot of it is around um, communication. And a lot of it, you know, I think people are finding it doesn't work. And in fact, it threatens your ability to continue to do um, to do what you love. Hopefully you're in coaching because you love it. Because you're definitely not in it to get rich. Um, <laughs> Uh, you know, it's threatening your ability to do what you love. Now, here's what I could use your guys' help with. Because um, I think we actually have to start from a place of empathy. Um, and Joel has is, is joined us. He's on here. He's furiously texting in the background, um, which is absolutely driving me insane. Um, so I knew he would come on and find a way to distract me. Um, but he's here, and we still love him. Joel, can you help me, like, what are some things, some examples you think of what has changed in the coaching profession, the expectations for what a coach should be that are unfair? I think um, my personal thought is I remember when I was an undergraduate, we had a, a class, like coaching competitive swimming class, and basically all the swimmers would take it to get an easy A, and half the basketball team would take it to get an easy A. And, um, and in it, they had one of those John Leonard books of everything the swim coach is. And it was like he had this, this like little circle in the middle, the swim coach, and then all these peripheral circles that were connected to it. You know, you have to be a nutritionist. You have to be a physiologist. You have to be a therapist. And it literally like listed off a thousand things that you needed to do as part of your job. And, and you know, on one level, sure, you should have a little dabbling knowledge in, in all those things but when you all of a sudden start to take the actual roles of those things we, we've now uh, just the litigation of the world is like we, we've entered ourselves into a, a big thing of risk where all of a sudden either we start to get this huge sense of ego that we are the the, the, the specialist you know so many times i hear people say well the pt you know suggested we do this that's ridiculous they just don't know swimmers and you're like, well, maybe you're right, but do you really want to do that? Because, again, the PT just said to do this. The doctor said not to do this. The doctor said be out of the water for eight weeks. Eight weeks is ridiculous. Well, yeah, it's ridiculous in our world. But, again, it's like I think we open ourselves up to so many um, legal issues. And there's so many people understand legal issues where you're like, you, you know, the default is rather than, like you said, with empathy where you're like, Every kind of understanding where the parent's initial reaction would be, well, he or she as the coach has always had the best interest of my child at heart. Um, let's talk to him from that angle versus the, you know, you, you think that, you know, you're trying to hurt their child or something. And so my thought is just how things have changed was 
things have become so specialized. You know, you don't just go to a doctor, you go to an ear, nose, and throat doctor. You go to, a, uh, you know, a right ear doctor, a left nostril doctor, whatever it is. It's like it's so specialized down that when you try to be a general knowledge of everything, it just, I think, it opens you up to more than anything. And, and so I'm, I'm using the physical examples the most, but in, in your world, especially the, the, the therapeutic side of it, the mental side of it, uh, again, you, you think you could be helping, but you're, you're going to be hurting a lot more. And sometimes I think we don't even realize that. Yeah. I mean, I can't, I had just got an email last week from a coach who was responding to, again, I'm going to keep this anonymous as, as I can. They were responding to a video that I posted on there and essentially saying like, this is the situation I got put in as a coach. Um, and I had a kid who had something absolutely traumatic happen in their life. And like, there is no USA swimming, ask a course. That's like somebody you're coaching has endured a traumatic event. And here's what you do. There's, there's nothing. There's plenty of courses on, you know, um, a drill progression to get somebody to swimming butterfly. And I think in that void, it, one of the things I started to think about as I'm, I'm building a course in the background, I actually shared it with you guys um, an outline for it earlier today. And one of the things I'm realizing is, um, you know, I think probably that, that, that put upon feeling that many coaches have, that overwhelmed feeling, part of it comes from they're, they're getting communicated that they should do something more than what they're doing, but there's no sense of where the boundary is. So yeah, like you could interpret, hey, I have got to be, I've got to be a therapist, mm -hmm. essentially. Like I've got to, if somebody comes to me and they're dealing with something, I've got to be able to sit down with them for an hour and talk it through with them and like help them, you know, to take like concrete steps in their life to move forward. Eric, I mean, as you listen to this, um, and, and um, you've been on the outside looking in here a little bit on the coaching world, but, but what are some things you see that have changed in the coaching profession that you think maybe are a bit unfair? Um, I think with, with some of it, I guess the biggest thing is when you have, and I'll, I'll come at it from the, like the board of directors side, because that's where I spent a large portion of my club coaching um, was that oftentimes your your board is littered with professionals. Sometimes they're CEOs, sometimes they're CFOs, sometimes they're business owners, and, and you're a swim coach. And, and, and sometimes the expectations of your abilities are, are really not very fair um, in running a particular aspect. And, and what I mean by that is... If the expectation is X and the club is unwilling to pay for training or help you to be better at X, then you are in a spot that you simply you simply can't navigate unless you really do take it upon yourself to do everything that you're supposed to be doing as the head coach and then add the ability um, to to be better at X. And then there are some times where that category, the only way to do it is actually to take a 
course at a university level or even a community college and sometimes you don't have access to that they won't let you drop in um certainly a lot of that stuff is i mean maybe it's on its way into ASCA's education courses i would like to I would like to hope so that some of this stuff is um but just in terms of, of that particular question yeah i think that's that's really where i see it is be better at this but you go ahead and figure out how you're going to be better at this and yeah. you have to be better at this before the end of the short course season otherwise your reviews that come through will show that you're not invested over I, I think one of the things you said to start with was what's unfair well I, I think it's kind of an interesting way to phrase it, unfair in that I think we all kind of got into coaching with the idea of coaching was coaching you know it's not the, the time they're in the water that I'm ever stressed out or ever stressed out or exhausted by. I mean, I could do two a days every day all the time. That wasn't the issue. It was it was the, the other stuff that comes on top of that. And so it's not really unfair. It's just either we didn't understand that that was part of the deal or maybe it's on us and that we, we started opening that up instead of just being like, listen, <laughs> just just swim or don't swim. But, you know, that, that's the thing is like when we try to take on more roles, like I remember – Working the NCAA once, um, everyone had gone home for uh, one of the breaks. I can't remember which one. It was uh, raining hard. This kid's car broke down. Grandmother had died. Needed to get to the funeral. There's only so many flights out that day. And NCAA rules was like, you, you can't drive that athlete. You know, there's no one else on campus. She has no other friends. She didn't call me because, again, it's one of those things. You can't, that, that's, that's when you get exhausted, is, is dealing with, the right this, I, this isn't 10 100s on 130 i know how that runs i don't know how to how to navigate an ncaa rule of this or once uh, even more serious when i was at a university in the middle of the day one of the recruits called a very good recruit we had and so like well this is weird at one o'clock told me about how she'd been uh, sexually assaulted by her, her boyfriend the night before i'm like why you know and one of those things were also an age she's like oh my god i don't know how, how to deal with this B, it's like all of a sudden it started to kind of weigh on me that not only do I not have to do this, like I, I felt so bad for the kid because like you're calling a stranger. I've never met you. You know, we've talked on the phone a few times and I'm the one person that you feel like you can bring this up to. Um, and then five minutes, you know, the, the AD comes and knocks on the door because I had to give a speech in front of, you know, faculty and things like that, presenting the, you know, the start of our season, some low intensity kind of speech deal. And it's like one of those where I, you're like, oh my gosh, I, 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 how do you compartmentalize that? And again, that wasn't like anything you can prepare yourself for or train for. And again, is that unfair? It's like, well, no, you have a relationship with someone, anyone, whether you have them on your team or in this case, recruit. It's not an unfair thing. It's just you have a relationship. That's, that's part of the thing is there's going to be a whole myriad of things that come with just, just being a part of someone's life. Yeah, and I, I think I'm thinking of as you're as you're saying that, Joel. What what I think is going on with a lot of people who run into trouble. It is their behavior, quote unquote, on the pool deck or adjacent to the pool deck. But if we were to really think about what it is, it's the stress from being off. <laughs> It's the stress from being off the pool deck. Yeah, this is that. <laughs> <laughs> the stress from being Joel had a had a had a bit of a 
something ha- fell down in the background. Um, it's the stress from being off the pool deck that then they carry with them when they step on the pool deck and some interaction that if you took it in isolation, they would be able to handle um, in a, amazingly. All of a sudden, they're not handling it amazingly. Right? Yeah. They're handling it much less than amazingly because they're just... They're, anybody at the end of their rope, you know, is not going to be at their best. And I think that a lot of coaches find themselves in that situation in, when on, on a daily basis. Because it, it's interesting, I'm mixing analogies here, but I always think of, especially head coaches of teams, are, you know, we, we talked about fireproofing. They're, they're kind of like firemen in many cases that they're just running around like, oh, there's a crisis here and I'm going to run, you know, and put out that fire. And, and, and the second, you know, they maybe while they're putting out the other fire, another one, another one, another one, another one. And they could just spend all day, every day running around reacting to various sort of crises. Um, Eric, I was counting on you to fill fill space while I sneezed. Well, listen, <laughs> so it wasn't really long enough for me to really interject. I guess if you want to hear more of my my position uh, on any sure. and all of this, um, I have a couple of, like a couple of different angles that I was thinking about this as we were as we were getting started. And you talking about the head coach situation and, and yeah being having to go through fires and constantly putting things in and out and the, you know the first thing I think of and a lot of that is is infrastructure and putting certain things in place or having things where they need to be in order to be able to mitigate some of this stuff and, and be able to deal with it and there are there are situations that don't necessarily get you ready to handle specific things but um, just making sure that you have the things in place to to handle those situations as they arise, and the the ability. And this is you know talking out of both sides of my mouth. I had times as a head coach where I was I did get caught up in specific things, didn't handle things particularly well. Uh, but at the very least, in some of those circumstances, you you, you know. You, you step away from the computer, you know, you do a couple of laps around the table and just walk or you go outside and you just kind of try to center and then come back to your workstation, wherever that is, and then go into triage mode, if that's the case. Um, so, yeah, when you talk about a lot of that stuff, do you have, you know, are you doing the things necessary to make yourself or put yourself in a place to be successful when those situations arise and not everybody necessarily thinks about it. They instantly go into the solve the problem right now It's like, well, right. You know, to, to quote uh, somebody that we both know in, in my world. And I love this quote cause it, it helps me slow down a bit is that uh, share the phrase with me when I first started at my job with speedos, like, Remember, it's just bathing suits. There's there's right. nothing in my world really getting super upset, crazy about because at the end of the day, it's just bathing suits. Now, that's separate from championship season and making sure people have 
the right suit at the right time for the big meet. But outside of those specific areas, it's like, it's just, so it's like, when you're, when you get something that gets thrown into your face and realizing that there's nothing you can do in the next 30 seconds, that's going to solve that problem. There's a lot you can do in the next 30 seconds. That's going to make that problem a whole lot worse. So just by stepping back, um, you know, and the other thing that I was thinking about before getting into this, and there are certain things that you talked about using, you use the, the, the term unfair, and then just thinking about all the other things that that I've seen or have heard from coaches as a rep, as a fellow coach, you know, people uttering the phrases, I'm just a deck coach. I'm, I'm, you know, I, this is, I'm on the wet side. Dream, right? right? That's what everybody yeah, wants. Fine. <laughs> there are a couple of those people, One, you know, they're, retired volunteers. North Thornton was one of those at Cal for a long time, just a deck coach, but out, like specifically had coaches talking about fireproofing yourself. That's really the position we're talking about with all of this is that head coaching position. Right. I feel a lot of it, we could essentially break it into what would be like AA in the 12 steps. Like, you know, the first step is like admitting that you don't have all the answers and that you have things that you need to work on and that you, you do, you have, you have to admit that you have a problem because any one of us isn't great at everything. So just bite the bullet, set your ego aside and be like, this is, this is what I need to work on. And then try to find the resources in the coaching world, or maybe if somebody in your board, can, can help you as an aside, just, I guess really that vulnerability thing, just acknowledging that you don't have it all figured out is the first step to fireproofing yourself. Right. Uh, yeah. So, Hey, does my audio sound any better? No, it's is clear. Uh, you also have to my, keep in mind that I, I have really bad hearing. So even at full volume, sometimes it's a bit thin. That's why it's good to get your feedback, Eric. I have been futzing with a couple of settings in the yeah. background. Again, Making sure your podcast is ADA approved. Yeah. Um, you know, so I, I guess that's a good, this is a good time to segue into like, Hey, what does this fireproofing actually look like? And so, um, I, I entitled the first course, um, that I'm working on currently. And, um, you know, I'm also developing this stuff internally. Uh, for Wahoos because, you know, I just generally think if nobody else outside is interested in doing this, that, you know, it, it will be good internally, um, no matter what, that, that it will be extremely valuable. I, I called it emotional regulation for coaches because I think that is really the cornerstone skill that we're talking about. And, and I think, you know, um, people on this podcast know and, and Joel's gone, um, that were some, some Milton Elms, um, admirers. Um, he told me something really brilliant about what I'm about to say once, which is if you, if, if you're talking to anybody and they have, you say a word, right. And they already have a idea in their mind of what that word means or what that term means, you cannot erase that from, from their mind. This is one of the reasons why he uses a lot of weird words for what he's doing 
simply because he his theory is, you know, it'll help you to remember it and not remember something he doesn't want you to remember because, you know, you're anytime you hear a term you've already heard, you're going to recall that information that you have. So I know when I say emotional regulation, like a lot of stuff pops into people's minds and it's not necessarily what I think of as emotional regulation. And I know this from talking to people one-to-one, trying to teach them about emotional regulation. There's a sense of that term that people go like, I've got to get my emotions under control. And I think the core message of my course is that you cannot control your emotions, not directly at least. Um, so if you were like, you know, in your, your analogy, if you were to extend it to the first step of this, the first step of working on your emotional regulation would be to understand that you cannot in fact directly control your emotions, that you will have, all of us will have any number of situations throughout our day, throughout our week, our life, you know, and those situations like will trigger an emotion in us that, and, and the, 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 the neuroscience of that is that it's taking place in a part of your brain that you're not conscious of. So how can you, you know, it'd be like, it'd like be me trying to control directly control your emotions would be like me saying like, I want you to, you know, control all your dreams. Like you, you can't get into your unconscious and just dictate a hundred percent. Now we might be able to influence what's in your dreams, right? We might be able to influence the unconscious mind, but you cannot just like, if you try to go head on with your unconscious mind, um, you're going to lose and you're going to be very frustrated because you're going to keep thinking to yourself, well, why can't, you know, like I'm. I'm doing X, Y, and Z because I'm reacting emotionally. Maybe if you're mature enough to even recognize that, right? I guess that's its own thing. But if you're mature enough to recognize that, you still like you could still perpetuate because you go like, why can't I get my you know my emotions under control? And you could be trying to accomplish the wrong goal in that respect. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. No, I get no. I it's good. It's stuff to because I know that having been going through therapy. But sometimes it's good to just hear those explicit phrases and words. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. And this is again, like I I am very clear about this and everything that I do. Like I am not a uh, trained mental health practitioner, so I I come at this not from the angle. I have been in therapy for a lot of years. so I'm sure that I uh, have practiced a lot <laughs> of what I'm talking about um, with somebody else, but this is not necessarily meant as a therapeutic intervention. It's meant more as a, I would say, like an internal process intervention. You know, like coaches, I, is it's still it's still buzzworthy to talk about the process, right, Eric? Or is that like yeah. so 2015, trust the process? No, no. It's all like it's an all day, every day thing in the swimming world. You should know that by now. Nothing dies. 
Not it's even, never going to go out of fashion. Not even, not even swimming with tights after your first taper. Do people still do that? Oh, yes. Yes, they do, Chris. No. Come on. Yeah. I've not seen it. I've seen it on a, a couple time. of visits. <laughs> I thought that went away with shaved nope. heads. Nope. Remember shaved it is heads? A, it is also alive and well in the south side of Milwaukee. What? It's like a time capsule. Oh my God. Well, anyway, you know, people still talking about the process all the time. And then, I, so the suggestion here is actually like, as a coach, your internal process is extremely important. Um, one of the things I've realized, uh, because I um, am, uh, I have trouble with my executive function. I have a lot of trouble organizing myself. Well, it turns out that being organized really helps you to emotionally regulate <laughs> and um, be positive in a lot of situations because positivity doesn't come naturally to you. Something we talked about on a previous podcast, but positivity doesn't come naturally to you. So you actually sort of like need to make a plan or your plan will be, I go and just sort of react impulsively to everything and I get really upset and do stuff I regret later, <laughs> you know? Um, so part of this is about, as I said, is about learning to um, identify what situations are. And I use um, a buzzword that I think a lot of coaches probably really dislike, depending on your age. I wanna say the over-under is about I don't know, 40, 45 for liking versus disliking this term, but the word trigger, right? Emotional triggers. Um, uh, I think, again, when I think of associations that have, that people have that in my mind, I think of, especially a lot of people in my position being like, we didn't have triggers when I was growing up. And, you know, um, I guess that means that, you know, uh, People didn't have emotions back yeah, then. I yeah. don't know. Why, you know, like yeah. I don't. I don't. Why is it that you threw that chair at practice that one day then? <laughs> right, and like that that concept in itself, just understanding, like demystifying that term, and just being like, no, it's just like a way of describing that various situations provoke an emotion in you. And by the way, if we go back to the beginning, that's not something you can control. Now, does that mean that the behavior that follows from the emotion is unchangeable? Absolutely not, right? Just because, like, to use your example, just because you're angry doesn't mean you can't, like, and I think people sometimes think this, you can't go like, well, I was triggered, so I threw the chair across the, you know, but I was triggered. That's like claiming temporary no. insanity. <laughs> right. And, it, and, and people are running into situations where they're being informed about triggers and they think like, that's just like, that, that, that I think they get mad because they're thinking like, this is just being used to excuse whatever behavior this person is engaging in. And, you know, like maybe as I'm a, as a coach trying to intercede and change that behavior, but like, that's not what it is, man. It's not about excusing. It's about explaining things because if we actually explain what is going on and actually can understand what is going on, then we can do something about it, right? That's basic science. Like, you know, 
if we understand that um, uh, applying heat to water and getting it up to uh, 100 degrees Celsius gets it to change into a gas, then, then we can actually exert some influence on whether water turns into a gas or not. If we just go like, well, I don't like that the uh, water's turning into gas and I just want it to stop, you're not going to have much influence over that situation, right? Right. <laughs> Sorry, sometimes I forget that we're on a podcast and you can't hear me nod my head. <laughs> um, I guess at this point, I, I want to give give like the full the full course away. I don't think I've come close um, to doing that, but, um, I don't know, Eric, I mean, do you think that there is a place for this? And I guess one of the, one of the key things that I'm looking for feedback on is I think a, a big challenge to doing work like this with people. And I can see it, especially with coaches and you, you very astutely point out head coaches, um, is that, you know, there's, you're going to have to like work through some stuff. You're going to have to share some stuff, um, in the process of learning this. And I'm thinking of like, you know, a zoom call maybe with 15, 20 people on it. Those are not people, you know, maybe they're coaches of rival teams in your area or somebody you perceive as a rival. Like, what do you think? about this as a barrier to anybody being willing to work on this whatsoever to just go like, well, I'm not going to come talk about my emotional regulation on a, on a zoom call with, you know, Mike just supplying the, the name of a typical swim coach, white guy in his forties named Mike. Sorry to all the white guys named Mike out there. <laughs> your friend, Chris is up there. Your friend Mike Chris Murray is way up Shoot. there. Uh, yeah, I could see it being difficult. I mean, you have to, you have to have a lot of trust in the room that you're speaking to. You look at that 15 to 20 people, you know, you have to have the right people because there are, there are some that just aren't going to care and they're going to manipulate it and they're going to share what you share and they're going to use it against you. So obviously you have to know the room that you're, you're speaking to. It is, it is certainly given the day and age we're in and, and uh, being unable to always get into the same room, it is way better to jump into the Zoom situation than it is the alternative, which is nothing. So it's like, and that's the hard part for sometimes for people to see. It's like, we want to do all these things and we have these ideas, but we can never get together. And it's like, we have the internet. Like we perfected, we've gotten really good at this Zoom thing over the last two or three years. And it's, it's such a, a fantastic tool. You know, it affords the three of us who live in three different time zones to actually be able to see each other and interact with each other in a way that wasn't possible really f before FaceTime. Like, and it, so it would just be, right. yeah, you would just have to call each other. So, um, we have to do a conference call. Remember conference oh, calls, God. Eric? No, oh, don't. <laughs> I can't. I, <laughs> I used to do, and I, in the recent past, I guess not that recent, now that I tell the story, I used to have to do a conference call 
because I was one year chairman of the uh, College Swim Coaches Association top 25 polls. We would have six people on a conference call. And you just have these awkward like pauses. Anyway, oh, back to the topic at hand. Producer Trevor, assistant producer Trevor, he's an assistant producer because he, he only appears sporadically on the pod. And in fact, he was meant to come on today, Trevor, but we'll, we'll get you next week. Um, to do our, our top junior swimmers of all time. But I'll preview that at the end. Producer Trevor's idea was, what if, like, for instance, you, if you take a six-week course, what if you did three weeks of it in a big group setting, but essentially it was mostly about learning the overview of all the information you were going to try to apply. And then when you got to, like, the homework piece of it, where you were having to communicate about your own situation that essentially went offline and then just like one-to-one with me. Was that, does you think that addresses that? Would that work? I think, no, I think that would be good because there is going to be there. There is a need to better handle the front end of it, you know, and getting some of the basics. But as a lot of the science has shown the most, you know, when work is done the best, when I talk about like brainstorming, quote unquote, and doing a lot of this stuff, it's best done really in isolation and then coming together and then having that conversation and then that collaboration and, and, and vetting those ideas. So, yeah, it only makes sense that you have the, the, the springboard into it together. Everybody feels a little more comfortable with the idea that they're not the only ones and then going back and right. then doing this work and then and coming forward and and working with you so well um it's been fun to talk about fireproofing sorry for everybody for the slight technical interruptions that we've been going on here um please go follow at christy underscore coach um on instagram i mean just you know you can just start typing in christy coach i'm sure you'll find it i have a beautiful new headshot um that my wife took i've got some nice positive psychology content there also clips of this podcast. Um, there is still a Chris DeSantis coaching page on Facebook that has a lot more followers um, than the Instagram right now. And those two essentially for the moment are sharing the same level of um, content for this podcast. Um, this is uploaded to YouTube, the Christopher DeSantis YouTube channel. Um, so you can subscribe there and, you know, click that bell and do all the other like and comment. Anything in that regard really helps support this podcast um, and makes it um, more fun for, for all of us to do, to feel like we're growing something and to feel like somebody is listening to the things that we are saying you can also subscribe to the podcast on iTunes as sharing with the guys we've had a recently really giant growth in the listenership and that's been amazing to see um, in in the Apple podcast um, realm it's not available on any of the other streaming platforms because <sighs> big sigh <laughs> because I haven't figured out how to do it if you know how to do it and you want to help me out, you know, communicate with me. I might allow you. I might admit that vulnerability and allow you in to my um, headspace to work on that. Um, with that said, uh, 
thanks, Eric, for joining. Thanks for uh, everybody for listening. And um, again, give us some feedback on how this looks and sounds. And uh, we'll be back with you next week. Thanks, Chris.